Welcome back, adventure fans, after last week's literal cliffhanger to the League of Ultimate Questing. We've been following Hero Rank Team, the Mortal Dawn, as they navigate their way through the Feywild. They've parlayed with talking serpents, navigated an endless thorny labyrinth, and fought for their lives against a tribe of savage lizard folk in a bog full of zombies. And they haven't even gotten to their destination yet. Well, Kip, we've been seeing a well-balanced diet of combat, planning, team building, and conversation from the Mortal Dawn. And honestly, the balance almost seems too good. Sometimes I wonder if the whole thing's just planned out. Scripted, you know? I'm not sure how they could possibly plan that far ahead, Storm. Once the recording starts, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, you're right. It's probably just good editing. Anyway, these kids have gotten tied up in some wild situations. A real tour to quest. And trial by fire turns pups into wolves. I'll tell you, I've seen too many teams with the same boring escort quests or dungeon crawls and never even scratch the surface of all the crazy that's out there until they're already in hero tier. I'd call it lucky, but that seems kind of cruel. Well, whether it's good luck or bad that our team has been run through the ringer of madness, one thing's for sure. We're lucky that we get to watch. Let's check back in on our treetop heroes before they leaf us and hopefully not fall. No, oh, Kip, no. The Mortal Dawn are standing on the edge of a giant leaf. They've been navigating their way through the chaotic magic of the Feywild, on their way to Fort Terminus. Through the Pale Mire, they battled lizard men and escaped a horde of zombies emerging from the swamp. When they found themselves here, overlooking a massive canopy of giant trees, tiny in size, perched delicately on the edge of a teetering leaf, looking down over the chasm below. If we look back, is the swamp there? Behind you is the rest of the giant tree attached to the leaf that you are standing on. Absolutely massive in scale. Arvid is hit with vertigo and goes to knees. You are up very high. I have never seen something so massive. Ugh, too much space. Are we dreaming? Did we fall asleep? I think the Feywild is a dream. So, maybe we go with dream logic. So I can fly. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they'll make such incredible leaps. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> incredible leaps are my specialty. <laughs> And peering down over the edge, it looks like you could begin to climb down this tree, but it is quite a climb indeed. Better we get started, huh? I've got a good amount of rope with me. Are we supposed to climb it? Was that part of the song? I believe the next part of the song has to do with deadly rings. That could be the rings of a tree. Hmm. Uh, that does not bode well, though. Best we continue. All right, I would like everyone to roll me an athletics check to see how well the group begins to descend this ginormous tree. Critical failure. Mm. Athletics, athletics. Yes. Oh, damn. Within minus one, Nim rolls an 18. Hey. Nice. <laughs> um, total of nine. Total of nine. Chris rolled an 11. All right. So the progress is very slow. At first, the size of the tree becomes very hard to adapt to because instead of like wrapping your limbs around, you're literally grabbing chunks of bark and shuffling down them so great as its scale. One of them cracks off and Artyom begins to slip and fall before a combination of Nim and Chris grab him by the shoulders and help him maintain his embrace on this bark before he falls plummeting down to the depth below. And you begin slowly creeping your way down, passing these giant leaves. And even the breeze, gentle flowing against the foley, is buffeting you against the side of this tree. And I'm going to have everyone roll me a perception check as you slowly climb your way down. This is all the bad rolls. Mm -hmm. Opposite of the last two episodes. Yeah. Archim got a nine. Nine. Chris got a six. Nim got a seven. Sweet hot 12. Sweet hot 12. So your guys' oh. attention is completely focused on hand over hand, <laughs> hanging onto the ropes that you're using to descend down this tree. You get about halfway down, and it's been a good 30 minutes. Your arms are starting to get hot and tired from the exertion you're putting out. Suddenly, there is a crash into the tree above you and you see little bits of wood and some leaves begin to fall as this huge bluebird slams into the side of it and begins tearing into the wood at some insect underneath. And it immediately flutters away. And you notice that there's a group of them now circling around, seeming to look for small bugs on the surface of this tree. I think our snake friend told us about the bluebirds. Maybe mm. we maybe we hustle up. Mm. We're going to do a very short skill challenge Yay. to see how the group gets down past these hunting hungry bluebirds to the base of this massive tree. I've heard of natural selection, but this doesn't bode well. <laughs> I hope not to get naturally selected. So let's roll initiative real quick to figure out what order we're going in. No. A 10 for Christ. Nim at 9. 15 for Arkham. 
And Arvid's 20. All right, Arvid, you're first. You are now a tiny bug on the side of a tree, and bluebirds are hungry. I have watched bluebirds before in my own environment, so I will use that knowledge to try to think of what to suggest to my companions, sure. and that would be survival? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It could be survival or animal handling, whatever you feel good with. And that's not a success. It's a four and a five is a nine. All right. Uh, you assume that because you are all clustered together, you will draw the attention of these birds if they're looking for something to eat. So spreading out a little bit might help you. And at that, you feel a shifting and struggling on your back as Morty, who is bound to your waist, hanging limply just with his legs dangling over the chasm, tries not to wiggle too much. That's a failure? Mm-hmm. Mm. Next is Artyom. All right. It's day now? It is, yeah. It's dark below you, but you can feel a little bit of sun coming from above. Okay. I'm going to try and reinvigorate myself with the sunlight and let that burn and that intensity kind of drive me forward. Oh, nice. Religion? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 20. On the die? No. Okay. Still very good. So yeah, you take a moment, take a deep breath, and just let the sun painfully bake into your skin, reminding you of what you stand for and where your powers come from. And your arms aren't nearly as tired as they were a moment ago. That is a success for the group. How about Chris? Chris will use his investigation to try to find little uh, hide spots in case they come mm. after us. Yeah, I like that. Yep, that is a 23. All right, that is a success for the group and Nim. Building on those hiding spots, I like to see if I can scout ahead, mm -hmm. but by jumping on each of your shoulders and making my move down using my acrobatics. Okay. Finding the best route handhold wise. Gotcha. I like that. Cool. That's a 29. Wow. Is that a 20 on the die? That's a 20 on the die. That's awesome. Oh, so that is two successes. Thank you for letting me know. That Thank is you. a fantastic roll. So the group begins descending together. Arvid begins to bark out some warnings about the, the hunting patterns of the, <laughs> the bluebird, which doesn't seem to make much sense in the high adrenaline moment of the situation. Ardium regains some of his vigor and can keep up with everyone. And Chris, you're looking very carefully and feeling like the reverberations from inside this tree, and you realize that part of it is hollow you find this opening and begin to try to like force it open as best as you can. You're not very strong. And then Nim spider monkeys her way down between all of you and forces her way into this cavity and helps push it open. And you realize there's an opening inside of the tree and the group can all sneak into it. And as you finally push the last person through and the bark kind of snaps shut, this huge beak comes slamming into the outside of it, sending splinters and these huge reverberations of pecking noises through the empty chasm of this tree you realize that the inside starts to kind of wind down. It's completely hollow inside. There's a bunch of mushrooms just growing out of this soft, mulchy wood. Perhaps the deadly rings are inside the tree. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the case. You begin following the path that's almost carved into it, like beings of your size could normally move inside of a huge tree like this. And there are lots of passageways that lead off out into other branches and different sections of the tree. And it begins to be somewhat hard to navigate knowing which way to go other than straight down. I'm going to have everyone only one more perception check. Natural oh. one for Artyom. Oh, that is a two for Chris. Nim got a 12. 21. 21. All right. So the group is trying to figure out which path is the best to take. It's a very steep drop if you try to go straight down. And some of these passages might lead you to nowhere. And studying them, one thing that Arvid begins to notice is that there are lots of different kinds of mushrooms. They're not all the same kind. Some of them look like bird's feathers that come out the side of a tree, but some of them are very small and very colorful, brighter and prismatic than most mushrooms. And they grow in a circular ring around some of these passageways that lead off into the tree. Are they deadly? You're not sure. I'd like to roll a medicine check. Sure. Um, just try to investigate that. Uh, not great. Uh, 11? Uh, you're pretty sure these are not safe to eat. One thing you know quite a bit about is poisonous mushrooms, and you're pretty sure these are maybe not, they're, they're not safe. All right, I could have totally tasted it and got my bonus. Was that enough, or should I try That's it? enough, yeah, okay, you'd be cool. a 10. Don't eat them, but I feel like I shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> Morty's like, <laughs> like she's like just about to close around when he stops. Sheepishly. <laughs> So there are these rings of mushrooms. Is there any pattern to the collar? Um, basically, inside of this large cavity is a lot of grays and brown mushrooms. And one of them that wreathes one of the other walkways is in these bright greens and purples. And those are the only ones of that kind. Maybe we should follow these ones. Seems like it's good than ideas we can come up with. Yeah, they definitely stand out. 
Hmm. Let me. I'm just trying to remember the song. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it says along the path. So let's go. So you take one of the side passages and it narrows quite a bit and the mushrooms are still growing everywhere. Instead of emerging into a branch, you emerge into what seems like a completely separate giant tree, similar to the other one. And you begin to rotate down the path a little bit further. There's more of these passages in every direction, but you find another one that is once again surrounded by the strange pattern of poisonous mushrooms. Aren't there any great differences in them? They are different, that's all. They're the only kind of mushroom like this in this tree. Sorry, we're emptying out into what look like different hollowed trees. Mm -hmm. Because this son of a bitch is an elm, so help me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, you, instead of leaving the first tree, ended up in a new one. Like, they're connected by the branches Mm. somehow. The paths tie all of the trees together. Mm. And they're all basically the same kind of tree. Pretty similar, yeah. Do you follow the second path? I think we should just keep going, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any reason not to. All right. And after about three or four more of these, you guys pass once again through these ring of poisonous mushrooms and you emerge out into a beautiful, clear, mossy glade. The trees are now normal sized. You swear these are the same trees that you were just in, but they're now the size of a normal tree and not these gargantuan forest shapes. Arvid will place ear against one of the trees and knock on it out of curiosity. Are these the same dang trees? Same dang. Same dang trees. Uh, they are hollow inside. And as you do that, a couple of very small bluebirds kind of flutter over your head and fly off. What the heck? Just normal sized. Are we sure we didn't accidentally eat that Wither's Helm that they have? <laughs> I, I don't remember taking any of that, no. I'm going to throw eyes and see if I can see any like clear path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. 20. It's a wide open glade and the trees are very far apart. But the only kind of path that you can see is here and there. There's very small, crystal clean pools of water. They're almost completely transparent and a light blue. And these bright, colorful, almost coral flowers are growing inside of them that shine through the clear waters. And in one of them, Arvid getting the mud off of himself as well as the dog. Ah, nice. Clean water. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so one of the pools gets immediately full of murky dog water and, and mud. <laughs> uh, I hope this isn't some kind of important face significance to muddy the clean waters of the hmm. glade. Huh? This... What? <laughs> and all of you are splashed with a gentle flicking of water as Morty oh. wobbles his jowls and splashes a little bit everywhere. <laughs> well, in for a penny, in for a pound, duh. Now we are all covered in this filth. Mm. And uh, with your high perception check, as you get closer to this pool of water, the other one is in line of sight. You see something on the ground and you find a very misshapen chunk of what looks like driftwood from a kind of tree that's nowhere near here. Like something's been snapped off and it was just laying near this pool. Take that bad boy. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? You look at it and it almost looks like it comes out to a weird point, like it was whittled that way. It feels very light and like dead wood, very different to the wood that's around this forest. Can I take a look at that? Heck yeah. I wonder if a specific blade or maybe even teeth or claws whittled this wood in this shape. And uh, Nim would like to roll an investigation on that. Okay. 20. Um, It almost looks kind of like a claw, but it's made of wood. Hmm. Oh, boy. And looking along the path, you can see what looks like another little chunk of the same kind of dead hollow light wood. And they start to become more and more if you follow them along. Does this look anything like the bodies of the dryadder? A little bit. We've seen this before. The last time we encountered the Shadowville. Uh, are you talking about that spider woman? The. Doesn't that mean we've gone too far? Maybe. Mm. Or maybe this is exactly where we need to be. Hmm. Like the Shadowfell's getting into the Feywild. That's part of the point. Mm-hmm. You said there's like a trail of these? Mm-hmm. More and more, yeah. You're starting to form a little handful. You see in one of the furthest pools that sort of seems central to where the rest of them have kind of been laid out, much larger than the others and surrounded by clean, shining white rocks that kind of reflect the sunlight down into the water very naturally. You see a figure half in and half out of the liquid, like one arm splayed up onto the mossy growth, and the rest of it is just full of floating chunks of this weird, dark, dead wood. Strange, like red, curled hair matted to their back. Do they look familiar? They look very familiar. I pull out my wand of thorns. Mm-hmm. It starts to twist and writhe in your hand, as do all the little remnants of wood. I have your payment in blood. And this head tilts to one side and looks up at you. Sun-touched one, how strange to encounter you here. Everything here is strange. I should not have come to the Feywild. I've broken an ancient covenant. I came foolishly to the Pool of Divinity to see what's coming. Did you shed the blood of the Troll Knights? 
I have harmed nothing here. Are those of your place the ones who did? My people are not allowed to come here. Someone did. Hmm. Right? They came here, right? Right. You don't know necessarily they're from the Shadowfell, but sure. something something came here. What did you see in this pool of divinity? I will make this quick. My time is not long for this place. I don't know if my passing will return me to my home or to something else, but it draws close. I've seen signs of something horrible coming, something that will threaten all of the realms. Not my home, or your home, or this place, all of them in one. Can we get you back to where you belong? There is a favor you can do for me, but I am broken now. I do not know when or how, but something comes to end the cycle. Be my eyes, be my charge to warn others. Sun touched one. The wand, if you let it, it will tell you when. The. And there is nothing we can do to help you. I will pass in one way or another. Will you take this charge? I will. And I will say a prayer to Bren mm-hmm. to hide his light from this one. Let it walk in shadow. Yeah. So a cloud rolls in, cutting off this sunlight that reflects off of these white rocks, making it now much darker and overcast in this glade. She says, hold forth the wand, please. Hold that bad boy out. It starts to writhe and twist, and the thorns begin to like wrap around your wrist and up your arm, and it begins to grow longer as it rests in your hand. Oh, shit. Gosmeriel's Charge. Oh, shit. That's so damn cool. Okay. This spear is constructed of twisting thorns and barbs that come to a sharp bladed point. It is a symbol of the Drexian shift. What up? And hums with the energy of that dark place. It is born to hunt down a threat unknown and warn the wielder when it is near. This spear remains the size of a wand until drawn for battle in the hand of its owner. This growth can be done as part of a move action used to draw a weapon. It is a plus one spear that deals an extra 1d4 poison damage. Oh shit, on a successful hit. Uh, It retains its properties as a wand with charges and spells while functioning as a melee weapon. Hell yes. Spears can be handled one-handed, right? It is a one-handed d6 spear. Cool. Finesse. Boca boca. I will do my best to live up to these expectations, but I, I do not know how to hunt this thing. I do not know what you're speaking of. The more I learned, the more dangerous it seemed to become. If it is an enemy of the dark, I, I'm, I am a creature of light. This is, I don't... It is an enemy of light and dark. Those, while two ends of one system, do not represent good and evil. They are just colors. The... It will tell you when the threat is near. I understand. Good luck. And the wooden body begins to slowly dissolve into this now overcast pool, leaving only just this female wooden head like a carving of a statue with red mossy hair billowing out. That was intense. Who was that? That is Gazmiriel. Uh, if you've seen our older broadcasts, then you might remember her from oh, when we were dealing with the alchemist. Of course. Yes, I was always so intriguing to see. Well, I have this now, and I extend the uh, the throne. And when you're wielding it, it oh. kind of just sticks into your hand a little bit. Like the thorns almost like hold it in place, but burying into your skin slightly. Sounds like you need to keep that at the ready. This is all very... Um, narrative. I feel very connected to something larger, which is something I'm not used to. I read these things in books, but that is... Eh, this is fiction. Eh, something like this. I don't know. I'm not used to it. And from here, you can see where the glade ends and spills out into grasslands that kind of lead down into a canyon, not far from where you're standing. If you follow that path, you can see descending down into this kind of half canyon, a massive wooden mansion surrounded by stone and living wood walls with a set of iron doors on the front of it. It looks like two giant crows facing each other with metal wings that interlock in blades forming the gate. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't expecting the song to be so literal, but this is quite beautiful. And there before you is Terminus Lodge. In which direction was it? From here would be to the west. Yeah. Maybe we'd knock. Arvidge shall knock. Uh, there's not really a proper door. As you get close, you realize these two statues, the way their wings extend... They're like razor-sharp swords that kind of lock together like a zipper, forming the gate itself. Why don't I take a look at this door, see if I can find a spot to slip a lockpick in, maybe, or find some leverage. Yeah. I just imagine you walking up to a lock and poking it. <laughs> it's like, da, da, no, 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 not here. Nope, not going to work. Yeah, please roll me an investigation check. Uh, excellent. Uh, while they're doing that, I'm going to kind of take a walk around and see what I can find on the border of this thing. Sure. 15. 
All right. 15 is enough. You are looking and you realize that if you try to force this thing open, it will spring forward and slice to pieces whoever is in front of it. So very good thing that you did not attempt to do such a thing. Nim backs away. That's a trap ready to spring, guys. And uh, while you were looking for some kind of mechanism to open it, you realize they're nestled in the grass at the base of it. You found what looks like a finger, rotted and decayed purple, like someone messed up and got sliced on this thing. Mm. And as you're kind of searching the uh, periphery, go ahead and roll me a stealth check. Uh, I just, I rolled anything just because I wasn't sure what you're going to give. That's, and that's I, totally cool. And I got, well, it's, oh, it's a disadvantage, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, I got a 16 and an 18. So hey, that's pretty good. Plus my uh, three. Certainly. So as you're kind of doing a very not too far away check of the perimeter, you see they're kind of patrolling behind near where the back area would be, completely Mm. surrounded by this massive stone wall, some kind of large quadrupedal beast, roughly a little bigger than Morty, and similar in shape in that it is canine in nature. And it has what looks like flames licking and wreathing off of its shoulder blades. And there's a rabbit that was like hopping along that seemed to get its attention before it turned its head to you. And instead of snapping out, its mouth opens and a series of almost squid-like tentacles just lash out and grab the rabbit and pull it in. And it tilts its head back with a massive gulp. And it spotted me? It did not. It was distracted by the bunny and it seems to be sniffing the area on some kind of patrol. And I will just slowly back away. Right. As soon as I get back. So, we have a friend. Uh, It's big, four legs, fiery, and it is a tentacle mouth. So, uh, that's happening. This door... It'll cut all your hands off. Good, good. I'm glad we have a positivity on all sides. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you want to roll me a thieves tools check, you can probably find the mechanism to open it now that you've identified it as a trap. Lovely. Nim pokes around a bit and discovers something that just might work. 23. Yeah, that's certainly enough. Um, so you do find a mechanism at the base of one of the two raven statues hidden in one of its talons. And as you pull it, they safely curl inward and you think they're on a timer, but they'll stay open for a bit or two. Perfect. Yeah, very much so. I like that. Oh, but if we go inside, then we won't be able to hang out with our friend, shall we? (laughs) And you enter a courtyard um, with very beautiful flowers growing of all different colors along a walkway that leads up to what's more of a mansion than a fortress. Aesthetically very beautiful, fine sweeping arcs in the ceiling, beautiful elven design. And it looks like there's places in the yard where horses would normally tread about. And it leads up to a large wooden door with a series of big pane windows. It looks like it's two stories tall. Not incredibly massive, but very, very beautiful. Can we see inside through the glass? Yeah, um, the ones near the door, certainly. They look like they go into a very large central walkway. It's hard to make out all the details, but like a fine marble floor, somewhat domed. And you think you see a set of spiral stairs. Like a foyer inside? Yeah, like a very large foyer that makes up the majority of the interior. So as we go through this uh, song, I'm kind of uh, nervous about the final points. Specifically, guided by Trickster's song into the place they do not belong. I'm worried this might go badly. Everybody be ready. Let's pick a formation so that we're ready for whatever comes. With that, Crystal activates Shardhide. I think if instead of maybe a line, if you and I take the front and flanks, maybe we have our friend Chris stand behind us in the center. And then maybe we can have our little person here can move around in the back just in case. Okay, sounds sounds safe. Stick to the shadows maybe. Keep stealth just in case. I'm going to check this door out too. Who knows what kind of trap this thing is. And uh, as, as Nim begins to investigate the door, you realize that now that you've entered the courtyard, there's been kind of a climate change from outside in the Feywild. And as you enter, the air seems a little bit denser and it has a strange, almost metallic taste to it. And the longer you stand in here, the more you can feel it. Artyom and Nim in particular kind of feel this almost nausea. It leaves a strange taste in your mouth, like something's floating in the air. It's difficult to breathe. It doesn't have too much effect on Arvid and Krist, but uh, you can taste it. Do you feel that? Ugh. I don't know what that smell taste is. Ugh. I definitely feel it, but these two don't seem as much affected. I'm definitely playing with Morty and what? Uh, <clears throat> I wonder if this has something to do with our connection to our deities. Oh, could be. That is the only through line I can think between you and I that do they not share. Okay, I'm going to roll knowledge religion and see if I can piece something together here. Okay. Natural one. You're pretty sure this has nothing to do with religion. Okay. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to investigate this or anything. Sure. I've never it doesn't read... seem to be affecting you. It's just very strange. I've never read about anything like this in any holy texts. But then again, I am not much with book learning. Neither am I, really. Let's see about this door. Oh, yes. You can tell it's locked, so I'll have you do a thieves' tools check. Excellent. Just like last time. 
Yeah, super good. There's no trap on the door, but it was actually very well locked. The mechanisms are very complicated, but with deft fingers, you make short work of them, and the massive wooden door clicks and is able to be opened freely. Very well done. Thank you. I'm going to back away from this one, though. Shall we get into formation? Okay. Okay. You swing the doors open and enter into this marble foyer. In the center of the room, there's a living tree growing up in a tiny garden built into the marble floor. The ceiling is domed with glass mosaic, creating scenes of nature. There are tapestries and paintings along the wall. There are two massive doors to the north and south, and there is a staircase that wraps around the tree, leading up onto a balcony of the second floor, underneath the dome of the mosaic glass. All of the paintings, every inch of the glass mosaic, and every tiny image built into the marble has been gashed and marred by some kind of sharp weapon. Stay frothy, my friends. Frothy, yes? Uh, (laughs) You're always frothy. (laughs) Frosty. It is frost. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for not pointing this out. (laughs) I've never heard it. While they're chatting about that, I'm going to head to the base of the stairs. Uh, Is there any scars on the stairs? No, it seems like everything that is iconographic or have some kind of symbol has been blemished. I can tell that whatever was painted here, it's been defaced. Can you tell what might have done it? Chris is sad and he finally sees this beautiful desecrated place. He's going to try to like mend a couple things that he sees. Just Absolutely. To... Yeah, you walk by some paintings and statues and just touch them and the gashes that have been carved into them start to close up. I, I, instead of investigate, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to be like somber and just like walk around and just like sounds oh, like I depression. Want, I want this to be fixed. It's a charisma based skill set. I want it to be yes. fixed. Be sad. Yeah. Let's mope. Yeah. <laughs> now, is this a temple? No, it's more like a mansion, a place of rest, almost like a giant embassy. Which direction would you like to head? Two doors and a staircase leading up. Oh, and there's another door far to the back that leads to the backyard. Were we given any maps? None. Hmm. If this is where we're supposed to go, where is everybody? I feel like somebody should still be here. A guard post or something. Morty's a good guard. Mm-hmm. I think you misunderstand. <laughs> <laughs> the place is most certainly abandoned. The... Yeah, I certainly hope we weren't led into some kind of trap. Well, according to the, the song, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is exactly where we are not supposed to be. <laughs> Team members find some strange magical doodads in some weird places. But Wooden Spider Witch turns rib into wand, then turns wand into spear is definitely a level of long game that you rarely see in magic item distribution. It's always important to make sure the team follows their tier's designated quota for magic items to ensure that all teams have a fair balance of external influences while questing. The Mortal Dawn are well within the safe margins, but as they grow in power and experience more and more challenges, they're sure to encounter a myriad of new enchanted relics of old. What kind of magic items did you use while you were working with the Silver Pennant Storm? Well, you know, kit comes and goes. Stuff gets dropped into the eternal void, some gets smashed across the unyielding hide of a hell beast. It's important not to get too attached. But there's one item of wonder that'll go down in the Hall of Fame for me. Ooh, tell me more. Is it an enchanted life-drinking blade? A ring that lets you see through walls? The Algid Flagon. An enchanted... flagon? Was it filled with the tears of a dead god? Uh, did it imbue you with primordial strength? <sighs> you know, sometimes beer is just a little too cold. Like it hurts your teeth and loses its flavor. Or it's too warm and it's not as refreshing. Well, the Algid Flagon kept my beer just the right temperature. Perfect. Like, 44 degrees. Perfect in summer and winter. Mm. Well, that's... That's neat. That's a handy tool, but I fail to see how it helps with adventuring. You know, okay, being able to split some chump with a magic axe is rad, but self-care is just as important for a hero. Being at peace and well-rested between quests makes the battle and mystery all the more worth it. A happy hero is an effective hero. That is some deep insight, Storm. Well, if you have a cold beer at home, now's the time to tap it, because we're about to check back in on the Mortal Dawn as they press closer to their destination, right after these words from our sponsors. Hi there, I'm Fidrius Nalbor, Mayor of Soros. It's an election season, and I'll be running for another term as the leader of this great town. We need a leader who knows what's good for the simple people of our town. We're kind folk. We aren't soldiers or wizards or adventurers. We're farmers. 
leather workers, smiths, and stable masters. We're here to support our king and country with crops, fair taxes, and prayers to Cygnus. I plan to focus on bringing new silver into the economy, hiring new workers for the Falicar mines, and expanding the eastern farmlands by up to 12%. When I'm mayor, it means more trade with the capital, new books for schools, higher priority on minimizing wyvern attacks, and keeping strangers from loitering too long within the safe confines of our village. My family's been putting their sweat and blood into these hills for over five generations. So when you want to keep the integrity, simplicity, and tradition of Soros the way it is, and the way it should be, vote for me, Mayor Thidrius Naldor. You're my people, because I'm your people. This message was endorsed by Mayor Thidrius Naldor for re-election. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there, all you cuties. Some quick announcements, but mostly apologies. So our new mics have some very serious hiss, which you've no doubt noticed. We've tried cleaning it up, but it's been a nightmare. And that being said, there are some solutions in place to fix the issue, but that will actually require spending some money, which we are somewhat short on. So that being said, if you're hearing that hiss, it's just, it's a side effect of having dynamic mics without an effective preamp. So if that matters to you, I'm very, very sorry. (laughs) But from this episode until around episode 39, the hiss will be present. Uh, Hopefully in the next recording session, we'll be able to get our solution implemented and kind of avoid that for the future. Additionally, D20 Questions is going to be taking a brief hiatus. That's our other podcast that uh, Law and I run, where we interview, drink with, and goof around with some local geek magnates. It's been a lot of fun, but unfortunately, there's just too much going on right now that we can't really tackle it. We're hoping to get things started again later next month. And when we do, we're going to be picking it back up with a new format, and the release schedule is going to be a little bit more loosey-goosey. But seriously, thank you for sticking it out while we get our tech stuff and our personal scheduling and things like that all situated. I'd especially also like to thank our Patreon subscribers for all of their support. In particular, our legendary team Jeff Ammons and Dave Mladenov. You guys are amazing, and we really appreciate you. I'd also like to thank everyone who's out there sharing luck with their friends. Uh, We could really use the exposure, and every single little bit helps. Additionally, the Great Danes in Great Denmark keep being great. Thank you, Danes. Finally, I want to thank Tori Christensen, who's been editing these last few episodes and doing a great job of it. Being able to take a break from that stuff has been a delight, And since she was a fan first, she's got a great ear for how we like things. If you folks have any feedback for the edits or the show in general or ways that we could rope in some more dupes, that is to say, adoring and much appreciated fans, please shoot us an email at admin at slapdashstudios.com. We're really accepting any information that you guys have if you you just want to give some feedback. Um, Also, if you like the episode today, maybe tweet at us at slapthedash. Let us know that you loved it or hated it, but spare people the spoilers if you can help it. Anyway, back to the action. Mayor Thidrius Nildor says that his family's been here for generations. Mayor Thidrius Nildor says he cares about the peace and economy of Soros. But what are his real intentions? Mayor Nildor's great-great-grandfather applied for a marriage license with an elf in the season of the Mother Moon in 2305. Doesn't sound like our people to me. Mayor Nildor wants to bring in new silver but it's only to line his own pockets. His house has two stories, and his family owns a third of the eastern farmland. Where's our two-story houses, Naldor? Think you're better than us? How many shifts will you be taking in the coal mine, Mayor Naldor? He calls the people of Soros simple because he thinks we're stupid. Let's prove him wrong. Cast your vote this election for Vance Bithers, a working man, a humble man. Why have silver for some when you can have copper for all? This message was paid for by the offices of Vance Bithers for Soros Mayor. So which door or passageway would you like to explore? You said there's a door on either side. There is. There's the staircase that leads up, and then there's mm-hmm. a door at the back. Yeah, way in the back. Now, I know your penchant for trying to split up, but I think for this, it's probably best we stay together. 
<laughs> I was the one who brought up the buddy system. Agreed. And I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Nim, could you find the spot between danger and safety? Oh, that's a perfect idea. Nim pulls out her two daggers, white and black. You make the gun motion, and I'm just like, pulls out the two. I imagine them having, at least the black one, having a finger piece, right? Oh, totally. Do a spin on it. And the other one is like finesse spin. We put them together and close my eyes and allow them to find where I want to seek. Now, this is important. We're trying to find why this place has been shut down. What has caused the Fae to not be able to enter it? So I will put both of them out there. Okay. This is very in the middle. Uh, go ahead and do a religion check. 24. Uh, you feel a strong sensation pulling towards both the doors to the north and south, the side doors, for just a moment before your hands kind of like snap together, facing out back. Oh my, yes. It's all the way down past the tree, towards the back courtyard. I mean, based on what I saw, it sounds like everything is equal options. Well, it's a bit stronger, all the way in the back, where the courtyard is. You know what they say. Go where you're not supposed to go first. That is the first rule of adventuring. First rule of the Fae, that's for sure. Uh, I guess you pick one of the side doors and then leave the big one for the list? Left. Adventurers go left. This right. is rule tool of adventuring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the left door is there before you. It is made of a very dark oak, and it has an embossment on the front of it that looks sort of like a creature, fox-like in nature, with six wings that seems to be carrying bags and bags of what looks like scrolls there's like parchment trailing behind it as its path flies through the air well dang now i'm thinking we should go look at the rest what if the other doors have images what if there's some symbology going on they're all going to have symbols this is a fae place of course it's going to be symbolic well the symbols mean something right nah and i'm thinking this one might have something to do with our little fox friend and uh the <laughs> embossment itself has a huge gash carved through the center of it well to honor my fox friend i'm gonna try to mend the door Okay, you managed to make it so the bag gash is no longer there. It's a very simple wood repair. If you guys will allow me to open the door. Maybe big one opens door first, huh? First, let me check it. Okay, okay. go ahead and roll me and investigate. Just puts a big check mark on it. <laughs> We're good. There we go, check mark. 19. Nice. Uh, you don't detect any traps on this door. Before the door is opened, uh, Chris will say, Well, I sure hope we don't run into our furry friend. I hope we do not. And Arvid gives it a push open? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, the double door is split kind of right down the middle of this embossment. And the first thing you see is a breathtaking library in that there are shelves stacked to the ceiling everywhere. Down the center, they're weaving and bowing out in a beautiful shape. But the thing that makes it not as breathtaking is that there's no books on any of them. It is clearly designed to be a huge collection of knowledge, but all the shelves are barren. And in the center of the room where there's a really nice, almost like a compass rose carved into the marble, it looks like tools have been used to dig a hole that is scorched around the center. And the ceiling has gray stains and black soot stuck to it. You said tools dug the center? Yeah, like someone literally just broke it with heavy things. It's not like a perfect seam. It's got cracks. I'm starting to wonder if maybe somebody dug in too deep, maybe let something flamey out. I think all the books used to be on the shelves. They built a fire pit. Oh, I see. And with a glance in, you can see this hole that's been dug out is full of ash. Tons of it. This is tragic. This is such a sad sight. Arvid's looking around for anything left over. Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's a 21. You don't see any sign of a book, but you do see up against the wall a little tiny ring of keys. There's like 20 of them and they're all identical. I'm going to take all of them and bring them back down to my friends. Nim is going to look at the marks that were used to dig this hole before mm -hmm. the burn and maybe go back to her upbringing with miners and the alchemist and like all my gnome brethren. Mm -hmm. See if I recognize if it was a pickaxe or yeah. what kind of things are going on. You're there. pretty sure that something like a pickaxe and shovel were used to rip up this marble floor. These were clearly made with tools. <sighs> I'm starting to wonder if whatever did this might just hate the Fae in general. If this is Fae knowledge, they burned using iron tools to cut away at this place. Could be motivation. I want to see if there's anything here we can salvage. Any books, any knowledge, anything to gain would be great. I found these keys. That could be amazing. Maybe there's some tome locked away. This I, is not how you unlock knowledge. I looked everywhere uh, in this place. That's all that's left. That's it. Mm. Seems like whoever was here before was very thorough. Meticulously thorough. 
I have a question of you folks. Were you talking about magic and like... We have talked about magic, yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> Would you like to talk about magic uh, now? Good. Oh, Arvid. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the thing about iron? Does it destroy magic? Cold uh, iron. Oh. Cold iron is poisonous to the fae. All iron is cold unless you warm it up. I think you misunderstand. We are entering back into that symbolic territory. It seems like it is some kind of magical or alchemical creation. I guess the shoe's on the other foot. Does that apply? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do not, I do not understand this idiom. I, am I missing this? Why are you thinking about iron? I was just wondering. My mom showed me something about how our people can kind of feel magic, and if there's somebody breaking magic stuff. But you're saying you can't just do that with good old iron, no? I mean, iron could probably dig up what is this marble kick kick. It could be one of the most resistance of the metals. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But I'm thinking if somebody is diligent enough to cut up in a hole so that they can burn every book here, it might have been a little bit more personal. This suggests maybe they used cold iron. Hmm. They also talk about what uh, the people who stand between these two worlds being murdered. I'm starting to think maybe there is some kind of, uh, I don't know, planar motivation, racial motivation. I don't know. I was just wondering if maybe the magic in this place had been affected and I could try to look around, see that. Can you detect magic? Yeah. Oh, you do this. This is good. It just happens. Hmm. It just happens. Yeah, it just comes out. Uh, Oops, magic. uh, Arvid, uh, you know I can attune and a glean. Maybe we can work together, try to glean something. Gleaning sounds good. Do you want to use detect magic? There's too much ash here to glean. (laughs) Yes. Okay, you don't have to roll anything. You're just going to use your racial ability and you're going to use the ritual. You guys can sense that there is a great deal of magic coming from the other door, the one that would be to the right. There's quite a bit coming from upstairs, out back, below you. And this room seems almost vacuous of magic. Are we done in this room? Is there anything else to explore? Yeah, you seem to have flipped the library quite well. Hmm. Mm. Can you call it a library if it doesn't have books, though? Is it just a shelf room? What <laughs> makes a library? Oh, oh, my keys. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you say 20 of them? There are, identical. 20 identical keys of brass, of silver, of wood. Wood keys. They're brass. They're brass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's head across the hallway to that other door. Sounds good to me. All right, who opens? Maybe you check first. Of course. That's why you guys hired me, right? <laughs> yeah. For um, investigation? Yep. 23. Another massive number. Uh, this door is not locked, nor is it trapped. It's not even locked this time. That might not bode so well from what's inside, though. Mm. Arvid, got to do the honors? Uh, gently open the doors. Okay, I would like Arvid to roll me a wisdom saving throw. That's a 16 plus whatever my... No, that's great. So as soon as Arvid opens the doors, what you see is a massive feast table covered with beautifully prepared fresh food, bottles of wine, bottles of beer, a soft kind of music fills the air. This is a feasting hall that seems like people have just been here and the smell of the food hits you and immediately you hear like a lurching in your stomach. It just looks so appetizing that Arvid starts to take a step towards the food and then locks up in place and stops themselves from moving any further. Oh, look, another trap. (laughs) That doesn't look like a trap to me. And now that everyone has seen it, I need the three of you to also make me a wisdom saving throw. Natural 20. Natural Uh one. (laughs) Three. Three. Uh, More to go six. (laughs) Oh, no. So Arvid and Krist freeze in place as Nim and Artyom begin moving forward to partake in what looks like this immaculate feast. I am sprinting forward yeah yeah (laughs) i have a thing for this for sure the halfling in me can't Mm -hmm. resist this no yeah feasting is just like right up your alley this doesn't look like trap to me would either of you like to respond to this yeah uh, yeah with my natural 20 i'm gonna try to like really hold one in place even using my magic if i have to he's like no do you want to go for nim or artium i'm gonna roll to see evens and nods you think Nim is probably more grabbable for your strength sets. Okay. I was just trying to be fair. No, no absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's have the, a giant grab the halfling. I'll get the broad-shouldered <laughs> fucking, like, workman. <laughs> Come here. You're welcome to take a roll. I'm, just, get... I'm just trying to prevent somebody from getting trapped. <laughs> Chris is very yes. intelligent. I'll, I'll let you have that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to have an opposed strength check between you and Nim. Ooh. Uh. Oh, uh, I'm going to use a bit of luck because okay. I really don't want anything bad to happen. <laughs> no! <laughs> I rolled a three and then a nine. Nine is much better than a three. Uh, but still not great. Nim only rolled an eight. Oh! 
<laughs> so your feet are like scampering across the floor before they just gently get lifted up and you're held in the soft arms of Chris in this bear hug of desperation. But there's supper. Ugh. Arvid bellowed, Morty stay, mm -hmm. and then tried to grab Artyom. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is opposed strength. Uh, can I oppose with uh, acrobatics? Sure, yeah. Cool. 14. Yeah. Damn, you beat me. Sucker, get off me! Get off! Unhand me! <laughs> <laughs> and I'll make one more roll for Morty because you gave him a command. No. Uh, oh, no. You managed to get a hold on Artyom, but Morty charges forward, slipping between you all, and dives up onto the table. And just with this mess, just. You. You. Short! Get away from my food! That is mine! That is mine! <laughs> Get that dog! No! He's eating the pudding! <laughs> um, you can both make another saving throw now that it's been a turn. Better. Three. For a strength save? No, no, this is a wisdom saving oh, throw. I'm, versus I'm, the... I'm still dead. That's a... uh, so you're still hungry? Uh, yes. 17. Well, that's that's plenty. Uh, you can immediately tell that this is some kind of enchantment that's starting to ensorcel you. Maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe it's not that poisonous. <laughs> Maybe it's not that evil. Nim still seems like they're trying to break free and get to that stuff. That is a ribeye. I haven't had meat in days. <laughs> Since Artyom has come to his senses, Arvid will go try to yank his dog off the table. Bad boy. Okay. And you're much stronger than Morty. We'll do a quick opposed roll, but he's not fighting too hard because you're his master. 21. Oh, yeah. Morty puts up a hell of a fight, but you managed to pull him off. And you're still holding Nim off her feet. If you guys want, you can close the door and ignore this place, or you can explore and continue feeling the effects of this enchantment. Crystal cast Dispel Magic. Oh, Ooh. interesting. I'm going to check on Morty while he does that. Okay. And just to flavor it, so I have Nim bear-hugged Armstrong with one hand and with my crystal hand, I put it out, and then it just slowly seems to come mm -hmm. in. Yeah, like a... the illusion is pulled into your gem and flashes to nothingness. So you cast Dispel Magic, and Morty immediately stops trying to put up a fight, and all of the food and music vanishes. And what's left is a pile of thousands of tiny writhing worms. <gasps> With this dispel magic, does that also dispel the charm mm -hmm. yeah, over has. me? Yep, you now see worms. And while you're checking on Morty, once the magic gets sucked out of this strange enchantment, you're like opening his mouth to like check out what's happening. You can see these worms like burrowing into his throat and blood starts to pool inside of him. And he begins coughing and gagging as these insects are falling out of his mouth like confetti. They're trying to eat him from the inside out. Okay. Does lay on hand, this is against poison and disease. I can use five of my points on that. Mm -hmm. This is neither of those things. This is technically a disease. Also, were you about to ask something similar? Uh, yeah. I was actually going to ask, well, how bad is he? He's taken some, which I haven't rolled yet, but he's going to be taking ongoing damage until it's gone. And you can tell that these worms are a kind of magical disease. Okay. Um, so if you want to use that. This is exactly what I want to have happen. Chris, Chris, let me down. I can help Morty out. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. No, it's okay. I, <laughs> I don't know what came over me. Arvid, can you walk me to your dog? I have to put my hands on it and I can stop the worms. Okay, yes, please. Watch this. And I hold both of my daggers in my one hand, and I ever so cautiously put my hand just on, like, the under the chin of Morty. I thought you were going to say you cup his testicles. No. I'm just going <laughs> to just gently, gently handle the undercarriage. <laughs> um, and I say, Savage, please, this diseased dog, there's something wrong. Can you remove the worms from it? Guide us towards that middle ground. And I, I perform the lay on hands on Morty, removing the disease, and it weakens me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And with this loud gurgling sound, Morty issues forth what looks like the contents of his stomach of the past two days, as well as a fair bit of blood and just this wash of tiny writhing worms. And kind of like licks his chops and pauses for a minute and then looks up at you with these like really sad puppy eyes and noses towards you carefully and then flops onto his back, belly up, whimpering at you in appreciation. Oh, I'm so happy that worked. Can you give him a belly rub? Yes. And he's, he's being like very calm and gentle around you and like licks at your hand. That's a nice moment. <laughs> and now Nim likes Morty. Oh, that's Yay. great. With that, the doors get slammed shut, stopping any further chaos of whatever kind of magic worms those were. Well, does anybody see anything else in here besides these disgusting creatures? Nothing else in there? With a glance, you can see there's nothing left of the dining hall. Um, whatever it was and was in there is replaced by this horrible, cursed insectoid illusion. Hmm. Well, that's two strikes, yeah. team. 
What is going on upstairs? Let's find out. And as you ascend the spiral staircase wrapping around this living tree, you come up to a semicircle of a wall with 20 identical doors that look like residential rooms, almost like at a hotel or a barracks. Ah, ah, keys. I like the idea that you're just like jingling with keys, like they're all over your arms (laughs) and like clothes and hanging off of each finger. Hanging off the horns. It's like, like a Christmas tree. Oh, please let me just put them all yeah. like, like 10 on each horn. <laughs> ching, ching, ching. And the rooms are all numbered in an elven language. Hmm. Can I tell what language? You can both be aware that this is some root in Aladrin. So it's similar to elven, but it's like the difference between English and Old Latin. There's mm-hmm. roots that you can identify, but this is definitely an ancient Eladrin language. This either says one or sandwich. <laughs> Welcome to the sandwich suite. <laughs> Don't mention sandwiches right now. I'm hungry. Yeah, Morty looks like he could eat. He's a... <laughs> if I, uh, if but... I'm being honest, those would not have been the first grubs I've eaten. For everyone's reference, Morty was going to continue taking 4d6 damage every round until something happened. Uh, oh, yikes. He took nine because I rolled shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, 20 identical doors and 20 identical keys. Systematic then? One to 20? Sounds good. Let's bust that shit open. All right. So it takes you two tries to get the first one because it's either the first or last key on the ring. And you open the first door and you see what looks like a very finely furnished bedroom, almost like a little hotel or a hostel. Finely made bed, soft red quilt over it, kind of folded over in one corner and a bookshelf with maybe six generic books on it, a little desk and a fine green carpet. Not all the books are gone. Duh. Yes. Yes. Uh, Could be another illusion. Maybe these aren't just magical books. Yes, this time we open it and we get the bookworms. Oh, I, I take one down and open it up. Artyom, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It looks like a very generic kind of journal written in a ladrin. Someone's documentation of numbers, perhaps, residencies. Who can read the uh, prissy tongue of the elemental elves? I can do my best. I hand it to him. Okay, let me see. Let me see. He flips through. Uh, so it's, it's been a few years since you've studied your elven, and you can tell that this is a very strange root of it. But you can pick up, this kind of looks like a ledger, like whoever was in this room was possibly keeping track of orders for food. The books themselves are like decades old. They just mm-hmm. are in pristine shape. Does Chris gain any like insight on what room he should check on? Mm. Something like that. No, you're guessing these are probably part of a personal collection that anyone could use to like grab and reference important numbers about the keep. Um, the other one you notice is like guests who have come and gone. They're all very much business. It's weird that they would be in a room like this because this is something like a bookkeeper would have. Mm-hmm. And this room doesn't seem any different than the others. So it's not like the Dewey Decimal System or something. No, it's just like six books and they're all important stuff that you would need to know about the keep while visiting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid there's really not much interesting things in these books. Well, next room. Yep. And when you open the next door, you almost have to rub your eyes for a moment because it is in every way identical to the room you were just in. Even the way the quilt is folded, the same exact six books are on the shelf. Interesting. This seems like something we can split up for, duh? If they're all the same, then what's the point? I say we each take, what, there's 18 rooms left. Let's each take three keys and... Yeah. Yeah. Cover some ground. Yeah. You could just have somebody walk down and open them all. Well, it's assumed you're all going to take turns and just kind of check each room out real quickly. So I'm going to have Nim roll me an investigation check. Natural 20. Wow. Plus five. All of you are getting kind of weary at looking at the exact same carbon copy of the room in every, even the way the pillow has been fluffed. It's just identical. And on your third room that you're checking, it just barely catches your eye that there's a seventh book on the shelf. It was not there in the other rooms. Hey, hey team, come over here. Now tell me, one of these things in here is not like the other rooms. Look, there's a seventh book. <laughs> so cute. Oh my god. <laughs> well, let me let me see what I can glean. I'm assuming that takes about half an hour. Can we take a nice uh, short yeah. rest? We'll say you guys can execute a short rest while carefully and cautiously searching the upstairs. What up? If you want to roll any hit dice, go ahead. I will. I'm trying to remember what the hit dice for Cleric is. 1d8. Thank you. Eight. Sick. Okay. You pick up this book and it is much different than the others. This one looks weirdly enough not of elven design. The cover just says journal in plain common. Uh, and it has like a quill built into the spine of it. It's beautiful. It's made in this bound blue leather with gold filigree. A little tiny bit of silvering on the outside of the pages. It feels weirdly heavy, but it's probably only like 60 pages long at most. And all of the pages are ripped out for the first like dozen or so. 
and then the last page has some text on it. And this is the one page that's left in there. It seems like a continuation of a previous journal entry that's picked up right in the middle. Okay. This is why we call him the Corvair Sword. He's the craziest motherfucker I ever met. Never seen him eat a single bite of food. Always has wine in his hand. His hair is the color of fucking rose hips. He's like some walking garden. No matter how close or far away he is, he always seems to whisper everything, and it's clear as a church tower bell in my ears. He always carries up to four swords at a time wherever he goes. Always different ones. I don't know where he gets them all. Not knowing his real name is driving me crazy. I've been under his thumb for years now, and I'm tired of using his stupid nickname, the fucking Fay. One night, we all sat at the real table to eat our fill of berries and white elks and whatever else the Fay deemed edible, and we was drinking on their fairy wine like we do, and the Corvair's there drinking with us humans like a kennel master eating on the floor with his dogs. And he outdrank all of us, and if he was drunk, I couldn't have told you. Anyway, we were telling stories about lasses we bent and fools we broke bones with, and he leaves with what I think's a smile on his face, and the boys keep drinking and guessing at what his name is. We were deep in the red and near to passed out when his giant fucking pet bird shows up, black as coal and big as a horse, flapping around the high ceilings and watching us like it does. Damn thing's always around, watching when he ain't. It sounds like screaming midwife when it talks. Jarakis! Jarakis! Uh, Faye nonsense. So after we... Well, interesting. Jarakis, anybody happen to know that name? Nim, have you ever heard of a Jarakis from your mother? Now, I can't be sure, but I think I've heard something about that. 20. 20? 90, um, 20. The name Jarakis or the word doesn't really mean anything to you, but the more you hear someone like talking about this legend of the Corvair sword, that's something you have heard before. It's a fae fairy tale that's gotten around more than most of the more subtle information. It's almost like the legend is that he was some kind of unstoppable fae knight and that he almost had this King Midas touch with any sword that he picked up. He was able to enchant blades just by being in contact with them. And he was just considered a great hero that stopped adventuring and questing and no one really knows where he ended up. So it didn't occur to me earlier until you read about the many swords that the Corvair sword had. Yeah, there's a legend about a fey knight just like this. Mm, interesting. Well, maybe Jarakis is his name and these men just weren't very clever or it's some kind of special word or it's just some meaningless nonsense that this bird couldn't stop saying. Mm. Either way, is there anything else in the rest of these rooms? That's the only thing strange you found out of the 20. Hmm. Uh, you can tell that the book has just a faint hint of magic to it. Something about it, you're guessing, would protect it from scrying or divination, whatever's written inside of it. Nothing too major, a very minor enchantment. And you know that even though it only looks like it has 60 pages, you're pretty sure you could write at least a thousand pages worth of information in this book. And the quill that's built into the spine does not run out of ink as long as you're using it in this book. I would like to take that book with me, but before we go... If it feels like it's going to damage it, I'm going to stop. But Chris will try to mend the ripped pages, mm -hmm. see if that does anything. Before that, Nim would like to take the book, not really from your hands, and be like, oh, quick, let me do a rubbing. Let me see if there's anything else pressed into any of these pages. Ooh. And take some graphite, and I have some parchment on me, and see if I can pick up anything, even off the cover. Okay. Would be interesting. Sure. Uh, yeah, you pick up what looks like a name that got scarred off a long time ago, just from your rubbing. It's Artier Ammons. Because we didn't have enough R names. One of us. <laughs> and isn't Ammons the last name of... The knight that hired you. Thanks. Perhaps a predecessor. And the rest of it is probably just ramblings of some human knight who stayed here amongst the Fae and wrote his stories down. Now I will try to mend the missing pages. Yeah, um, they seal up it doesn't look like there's ripped pages anymore they don't like magically appear but the book now looks like it's in perfect condition they're just gone to the sands of time okay i wish many worked like that right <laughs> if you had like a shot. bunch of ripped pages then absolutely but if they're not there it just kind of closes the gap uh, so the only door remaining is the massive one in the back uh, you approach the back door that leads into the courtyard and it looks like it's carved out of one giant solid piece of wood, including the hinges of the door itself. It's embossed and carved in with what looks like hundreds of tiny little winged figures all hiding amongst the branches surrounding it. And I'm going to have Nim roll me a Thieves' Tools check. Only an 11 this time. All right. Well, you're in luck. You can identify there was at one point a trap here. You just find it. You think it's been activated, but it's no longer 
ready to go. Its ammo has been fired, basically. You think that some of the mouths of the tiny creatures emitted a poisonous gas. You can see a little bit of singeing around their mouths. The door has been cracked open, the lock broken. This door is not in perfect shape like the other ones were. This one has been broken in half. Looks like someone's been here before and already discharged the trap. Is it something burned? Yes, chemical burns. From the trap? From the mouths, yeah. Mm. Gas, I assume. Okay. We have to be very careful, because it was out the back that I saw that thing, the four-legged monster. Nim, Artyom, how are you guys feeling? Is the grossness there? Once you got inside, it's not as bad, but you can still taste it. And you guys can feel it in your mouths, too, but it's not as nauseating as it was. I'm just trying to determine where the source might be. Yes, it's a little less than outside. As you open the doors and look out into the courtyard, you can see a long stone walkway with a fountain that seems to be deactivated, the water slightly stagnant. And there behind the fountain is a statue of a raven with its wings folded across its chest on top of a pedestal. The grass is kind of overgrown and the huge wall that surrounds it blocks you from the outside. But you can see seeping out from around the base of this raven statue is what looks like a silvery mist that's filling the air pouring out of tiny cracks. That horrible smell and sensation in your mouth is much stronger than it was in front and inside. <clears throat> I think I found the source. Look at that. Oh, is that cold iron? I don't know. Do you know of any way to disarm this? I don't even know what this is. I can take a look, though. We're fey. It's not religion. We're uh, both fey. I'm only half fey. Da, as am I. Well, distant fey, some which way, but I think that is what is happening. This might be cold air. Good catch, Arvid. Very clever. Artyom, really? What? You, you said something nice about me. You did something nice and good. Are you saying I've never done... No, this is just particularly impressive. Can I give you a hug? For me? For my sake? Ar Ar Arvid, that might be a bit too far. Is you this the time? If you must. What <laughs> <laughs> the answer <laughs> Um, guys. Make, make it very quick. <laughs> Don't squeeze. <laughs> yes, well, that happened. <laughs> I never assumed it would have been in mist form. It's quite the misnomer. So I'm going to have you do an investigate around the base of the statue. And at this point, you two are kind of having to like tuck your noses into whatever masks or high collars you have to make it not as rough. That is a 15. All right. You don't think that the leaking of the metal or gas or whatever it is, is some kind of trap. Something down below you all is the source of it. And this is its only place to escape. And you can tell that the base of this is probably some kind of secret entrance to whatever's underneath the fortress. And it looks like there's a name placard on the front of the statue that is blank. It's obviously made to be someone's name in a memorandum type of thing, but there's nothing there. As in there's never been anything there? Nothing carved away. It's a blank plaque. Hmm. Well, I have one idea. I think uh, you and I might be having the same idea. So Chris will take the dagger and kind of etch in Dracus in that spot. Cool. Uh, and since you already saw how it was written and everything, you have the spelling down. So yeah. And using just a little bit of your magic to carve into it, um, you easily create the words in the soft brass. And with that, the statue unfolds its wings and slides back revealing a long descending staircase into the gulag of blades. <laughs> That's yes. a good one. Ah. Gulag of blades, all's a suffering. What is it the freaking dungeon names? Look, no one wants to take a leisurely stroll through a place called the Tomb of Endless Unnecessary Surgery. I guess sometimes that's the point, but come on! How many nasty adjectives can you loop together to name a damn building? It's like a bad lib. Is there some kind of evil PR department out there doing a major rebranding? Or did some vile architect just look at his towering monolith and think, Hmm, how about the Tower of Repeated Inconveniences? And what kinds of mysteries will lie inside of this ancient dimensional prison where mortals were held by the ruthless Corvair Sword to live out their lives in solitude for their crimes of entering the forbidden domain of the Fae? If I had to guess, probably some skeletons. You slap a few hundred stiffs into a pit, stir in ancient arcane secrets and bring to a simmer, and you're looking at yet another god's damned skeleton factory. 
Probably some traps too. Likely sharp, deadly blade related traps. Oh, maybe a giant statue with swords for arms. I sure hope that thing doesn't come to life and turn my mangled flesh into some kind of love seat. Or maybe just a statue made of swords. Uh, start whirling around the room when you walk in. Or axes, I guess. I guess axes are just as bladed as swords. All fine guesses, Storm, and challenges we've yet to see if the Mortal Dawn is prepared to face. Will this timeless Bastille forever hold the fate of our road-weary heroes? Will the Gulag of Blades prove to be too sharp to handle? Or will they make the final cut? Find out next time on The League of Ultimate Questing. was awesome guys um what a good session right uh so we have to do a little um introduction here we'll go around the table uh hi guys i'm sam and i play <laughs> you I'm remember? A... Shit. fuck who am i <laughs> yeah uh i'm sam i'm a drew barb and i did a good job today <laughs> i'm i'm anthony i'm playing nim the uh nelfling and i didn't spring any traps. That was good. Mm-hmm. I saved a doggy. <laughs> well done. Hi, uh, I'm Alante. I'm a crystalline sorcerer, and I dispelled some magic today. It felt good. I'm Artyom Volkov, played by Zach, and uh, I'm also the technical director and editor-producer for Slapdash Studios, and I didn't really do all that much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of just was there. Well, in the last episode, you nuked like 20 zombies and lizard yeah, men, yeah. so... We all have our strengths. I've had a lot of face time. <laughs> My name is Law. I am the Dungeon Master of the League of Ultimate Questing and the Creative Director of Slapdash Studios. Nice. And I'd like to remind everyone that um, LUQ releases every Monday with bonus content on every Friday. Our social media is Slapdash on Twitter and Instagram and Slapdash Studios on Facebook. Visit theluq.com to check out the website, see gallery images, things like that. Uh, and then we also uh, patreon.com slash slapdash studios to become a Patreon and support this great podcast that I was lucky enough to be a guest on. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you all next week. And as always, we wish you luck. Mm-hmm.